0: John chapter 9. As Jesus went along, he saw a blind man, blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world." After saying this, he spat on the ground made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. "'I I don't know,' he said. "'They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. "'Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud "'and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. "'Therefore the Pharisees also asked him "'how he had received his sight. "'He put mud on my eyes,' the man replied, "'and I washed and now I see.' Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and that he had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know that he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God alone, that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains.
1: So I've got a bit of a jiffy back this morning, and it appears that walking around is fine and sitting down is fine, but standing still makes it sorer. So I'm going to sit down to preach. I could have just walked around around the stage, but I thought that would have been more distracting. Today's service is delivered by Val Dunican. If you're laughing, you're very old like me, because you actually know who Val Dunican is. bit of a plain jumper for Val. Let me pray, and then we'll look at God's Word together. Our Father in heaven, we thank and praise you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Please open our eyes now by the power of your Spirit through your word to Jesus. For his name's sake. Amen. If you're a sort of JFer or YPFer, i uh, uh, just drifting into teen years. Uh, there's one of these message uh, sheets, some questions to fill in. Boothie's probably got some one. Uh, stick your hand in the air, and uh breathe. you can come and bring one uh, to you if you'd like one. A few years ago, a friend of mine uh, went to the opening of a new Christian bookshop, the SPCK Bookshop, the Society for the Propagation of Christian Knowledge. And uh, they asked for some questions at the end of the opening, and my friend's a very gentle guy. He said, I, I, just wonder, I just wonder if we could have maybe a few more simple books explaining the truth about Jesus closer to the entrance. Maybe a few leaflets for people who aren't uh, yet uh, Christians. And the rest of the people at the opening started to tut. There was an audible huffing and and how narrow-minded and how could you say such a thing. Do you know the one thing that distinguished my friend from everyone else at the opening of that bookshop? He was the only one who wasn't a church leader. Most of the others were dressed like this. You see, being a leader in any church, chesney Evangelical Church, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, the Church of England, is not a guarantee that your eyes will be opened to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for the first Jews reading John's Gospel, they had this growing sense of unease over the last eight chapters because the very people who seem to be opposing Jesus the most are the religious leaders of his day. Uh, it's them who've been the, the bitter opponents. It's them, if you look at chapter 8 and verse 59, we read it's the religious leaders. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. These very people who are supposed to know who the Messiah is, the ones who the Christ was going to come and save, the ones who are experts on the promises of God, they're the people who want to kill him. So the question is, how is anyone going to believe in Jesus? And why don't the top religious scholars see the evidence? And chapter 9 brings us face-to-face with that question. And the key verse in our passage actually is verse 39. You might just like to uh, turn to it. Uh, verse 39, let me read it to you again. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see see. Will become blind Jesus brings judgment he divides all humanity into two camps there is the blind and the seeing there's the blind but they're given sight they become the seeing they see the truth about God and the, the truth about Jesus and then there are those who can see or think they can see who think they've got God sussed, who who think that they understand what the world's about, and they're actually blinded by their misconceptions. And it's the Jewish religious leaders that fall into that second group. So we've got two big headings. We're going to see the blind seeing, and then secondly, we're going to see the seeing becoming blind. So what about the blind who see? We'll look at the beginning of our passage again, chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. As Jesus went along, he saw a blind man from birth, His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man, or his parents, that he was born blind? It was a long-held belief that if you suffered some form of sickness, it must have been because of the way you'd behaved badly, your sin. Uh, Sadly that's the view of religions like Hinduism today. But Jesus is not going to let the disciples have that misconception, that there's no link between someone's direct physical suffering and their sin, so he says, verse 3, neither This man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus has come to do his father's work, and we read what that is. Verse 4, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. The work that Jesus is doing, displaying who God is, is going to end briefly when he's betrayed and crucified. That's the night Jesus refers to here. And so he says, verse 5, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. You want light on on how you can know God? Well, Jesus is the one who gives us spiritual sight. He is the light of the world. And that's what this miracle teaches us. And so verse 6, after saying this, he spat on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Can you see how Jesus commands the man? Go. He's sent. The pool that he washes in is even called the sent pool. Uh, There's no mention here of of the man's attitude. There's no mention of his faith. There's no sense that the man put up his hand and said, Oh, Jesus, please heal me. No, we're left in no doubt. This is the work of God. He miraculously gives sight solely because he wants to. That's the God of compassion, the God of grace, who breaks into people's lives and opens their eyes. Because actually the blind man receiving his sight is not the greatest miracle in John 9. A far greater importance is what happens to him spiritually. You see, the physical seeing is actually the point us to the spiritual sight this blind man gets, because as the chapter goes on, we see he begins to see who Jesus is. I was at a prayer meeting just last week for London. It was organized by something called the London Gospel Partnership. Churches coming together around the good news of Jesus. And time and time again in that prayer meeting, we heard from churches, and then we prayed for them. And there was one common message, that the church by church, there were people who would become Christians. And the way they'd become Christians was simply that they'd heard the good news about Jesus and their lives had been transformed, their eyes had been opened. There was the example of of Anne, who who was pretty much an atheist. Uh, She'd ended up going to the funeral of a a young teacher, Millie, who she knew from the school gate. Uh, Millie had died young at, at Hope Church Vauxhall was the funeral this year. And Anne had heard the Bible opened and a a message about the resurrection of Jesus spoken. And she thought, I want to know more of this. There's something about this that rings true. And So over the months that followed, she started to go to church. and, And she met up with someone who did that radical thing of opening up the Bible with her. And now she's not an atheist anymore. God has opened her eyes. And she's seen Jesus. That's Jesus opening the eyes of the blind. It might happen over a few hours or a few days or a few years, but it's still his work. He gives spiritual sight. See, just as he he takes the initiative with the man in John 9, so he takes the initiative with anyone and everyone who comes to follow him. Every truth we see this morning about Jesus is something that has been given us. So, So what are the characteristics? What are the characteristics of someone Who has their eyes opened? Or will they recognize the evidence? I wonder if you notice that the rest of the chapter, as Vivian read it, is just a set of interviews. The blind man's first of all interviewed by his neighbors. Then he's hauled before the local clergy to answer some questions about how he's been healed. They can't get the answers they want, so they bring in his parents. Finally, they interview him again, and that goes wrong. And then he gets interviewed by Jesus as the last person in the chapter. And in each interview we slowly see this man gradually see more and more clearly who Jesus is. In fact, this man is the evidence for his own conversion. Look at verse 11. What did he say about Jesus in verse 11? He calls him the man they called Jesus, made some mud. But but then by verse 17, when asked, what have you got to say about him? The man replied, he is a prophet. Uh, Then by verse 33, well, it's changed again. He is a man from God. And then lastly, he says of Jesus in verse 38, Lord, I believe. He sees that this is the Lord God himself. He recognizes the evidence. It's a gradual process. He sees who Jesus is. One of the, uh, the wonderful things about this Christianity Explore course we do here at Chessington Evangelical Church is the way that you can see people's eyes being opened. The writer of the course, Rico Tice, tells a story of one really hardened cynic who came on the course. And they were looking at Mark's gospel and they were just reading it together and they were looking at a healing of a paralyzed man in Mark. And this hardened cynic said, I just can't believe how stupid these teachers of the law are. I mean, clearly this miracle shows that Jesus is the Son of God. And he looked up from the Bible and went, I can't believe I said that. (laughs) And slowly he went on to have his eyes open and become a Christian. So if if you're not a Christian yet here, can I ask you, are you beginning to have your eyes opened? Are you beginning to see who Jesus is? Well, then press on. Uh, We'd love you to come on our our next Christianity Explore course in the new year. Press on at looking at Jesus. But the great thing is you you don't have to wait until a Christianity Explore course. We'd love to open up John's account of Jesus' life and read it with you now. That's that's what Word 1 to 1 is all about. Word 1 to 1 is is opening John's gospel with people. Not, Not because... We are special people or we've got some special powers that can help people understand about Jesus. No, because we believe that as God's word is opened by the power of his spirit, Jesus opened blind eyes. And that's why tomorrow night we've got word one-to-one training. Here, if you are a Christian, wouldn't you like to come along and just see how simple it is to open up this message of Jesus with your friends, with your family, with your work colleagues? Could, could there be a better way of spending an hour and a half tomorrow evening? And we've got to remember, all of us here who, who know the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to remember that everything that we know is a gift from God opening our eyes. Sometimes we can, we can sound like we have worked it out for ourselves. I mean, we wouldn't say we're better than anyone else. We're not that stupid, are we? But, but what we start to do is we start to look down on the world around us. We start to judge the morality of other people. We start to frown upon, you know, the atheists like Richard Dawkins. I can't believe Richard Dawkins. He's a terrible man. I mean, how could he believe the things he does? Oh, those horrible people who believe that it's all by the theory of evolution. Oh, those people with their dreadful sexual immorality. As though we're better than people. Our holier than thou attitude shows that actually we've forgotten that the only difference between people who aren't Christians and us, is God has opened our blind eyes. We have done absolutely nothing. The only reason that you see that the good news about Jesus is true and Richard Dawkins doesn't, is God has opened your blind eyes. We should be the humblest people in the earth. We we should be going, it's amazing. It's amazing I'll get any of this stuff. It's amazing I, I can even imagine that God loves me. Because it's all a gift from him. That's why your IQ doesn't matter, do you know that? IQ doesn't matter with Christianity whatsoever. I was reading recently about the the different IQs across Europe. Apparently the Germans have the highest average IQ at 107. We came eighth with 100. You'll be glad to know we beat the French though. They've only got 94, so that's okay. As long as we won somewhere, that's all that matters. But the great thing is it's not your IQ that matters. Jesus opens blind eyes. That means you can be the, the most intelligent scholar at a top university and actually not have a clue about the real truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be someone who's made a complete hash of school, struggles even to read and write, and yet through what God can do, your eyes can be opened to the truths at the heart of the universe. And as that happens... Well, you want to testify to that truth. That's the second mark. Do you see how this this blind man testified to the truth he saw? He actually finds his new sight sorely tested, doesn't he? First his neighbors question him, then the religious authorities grill him, then his own parents won't stand up for him. And however great the pressure, he will not budge from the truth as he has seen it. Uh, Look at at verse 30 of our Bible reading. He's speaking to the religious leaders. He says to them, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where Jesus comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of the opening of the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. that's That's a mark of courage, isn't it? To continue to testify to the truth, even when testifying to the truth has, has terrible results. Verse 34, to this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. I was chatting to a bloke who became a Christian not so long ago. And he was just telling me how, how his work colleagues laughed at him. You know, when he, when he said he went to church. Well, we didn't actually just straight slag him off, but, but it was very apparent what they were thinking. But he kept on inviting them to think about Jesus. But because that's what happens when your eyes have been opened to the truth. And you know it means we can have great confidence as we testify to the the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if if God can open blind eyes of people like us, he can open anyone's blind eyes. I mean the example we've got in, in John 9 is of an uneducated beggar. When was the last time you... You just walked up to an uneducated beggar or someone on the side of the road and thought, the gospel could change this person's life. I'll take five minutes to tell them about Jesus. Now, that's what happens here. You see, it's not our job, if you're a Christian, to open someone's eyes. It's not the brilliance of your explanation. It's not the amazing knowledge of the Bible that you have. No, no it's, it's God's job. He does that. Our job is to hold to the truth that... That Jesus is the Son of God who, who came to die and take away our sins, that, that we might be forgiven forever, and then pray like mad that that truth would, would be written on the hearts of the person we're talking to. It's, it's why at the Christmas craft evening on Wednesday, the, 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 the same thing will happen that, that we do on every evening when we want people to find about Jesus. It's, it's a really radical thing. Someone will open up the Bible, and for a few minutes, they'll say some truth about Jesus. And before and after and during, a whole load of people will be going, Lord, please open the eyes of people tonight that they might, they might understand how wonderful this message is. It's why, why you should bring your friends to the Christmas craft evening. Not because they like craft, we hope they do. Not because you like craft, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. But because their eyes might be opened to Jesus. I mean, How, how important do you think it is for people to tell the truth? It's quite a salient thing. Election time. Do you believe Boris? Do you believe Jezza and John? I mean, that's what we're trying to work out. Do we even care? Are any of them telling the truth? Or what about good old Prince Andrew being interviewed on the BBC? I mean, how important do you think it was for Andrew to tell the truth in that interview? Weren't we listening there thinking, "Mm, I don't remember meeting this girl. Were we thinking, oh, we're not sure. Is he telling the truth or not? And if we think it's important for other people to tell the truth how important if you're a Christian here today do you think it is for you to tell the truth so, so have you asked someone who you know and love who doesn't know and love Jesus or more importantly doesn't even know that Jesus knows them and loves them that, that really radical question would you, um, would you would you like to have a go at reading the Bible with me Have you asked that question yet? I mean, what's what's the worst thing that could happen if you ask someone that question? They'll think you're odd? They'll stop being your friend? That's the worst thing that could happen to you. What's the worst thing that will happen to them if no one ever asks them that question? Do you need me to tell you? Do you need me to tell you what is the worst thing that will happen to them if no one ever tells them the truth about Jesus? Probably not. I uh, I got a WhatsApp just before the service today. Adrian Payne. Payne. I played rugby with Adrian when I was at university. Can't remember telling him about Jesus. I'm going to meet up with him. Next uh, next week we're having a a reunion of the rugby lads from uni. I'm planning to tell them about Jesus. Problem was Adrian had a massive stroke and died last night. I'm not going to tell him about Jesus. It's just not long left. And the amazing thing is, we have a God who opens blind eyes, and he does it simply when we open up his word and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our worship. Isn't that what this man does? He worships him. So verse 35, we see Jesus calls him and asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man says, Who is he, sir? The man says, Tell me so I may believe. Jesus says, You've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And literally, worship means he fell down before him. He says, Lord, I'm giving you the whole of my life. He falls down before him. This isn't the man breaking into song. This is the man submitting everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to praise him with the whole of his life. He wants everything to be devoted to Christ. And we've seen that in chapter 9 because he's willing to risk everything to speak to people about the truth of Christ. That's, that's We should want our lives to honor Jesus. It's So easy to be ashamed of the gospel. I was so encouraged. Uh, one of my young children, we were talking about being ashamed of the gospel in our family devotions. And uh, they just said, you know what, Daddy, Uh, we were talking about going, uh, what we're doing on Sunday mornings, and I didn't want to say I went to church, so I said, oh, I just go out. And I thought, praise God, you're being honest about being ashamed of Jesus. That's what we need to pray against, isn't it? If if you're here and and you're a young person, you need to, to ask yourself, is Jesus going to run all of your life? Is he going to run your life in the classroom and on the sports field? Is he going to run your life on the internet and with the mates you're gaming with? Because it's not enough for him to run your life on YPF or JF, is he going to run all of your life? And probably that's the question most of us adults need to ask as well, will we worship him? Three characteristics of those who can see Jesus. They recognize the evidence, they testify to the truth, they worship him with all they have. But, but what about the other side? What about the seeing who become blind? If spiritual sight is only given by Jesus, this is those who think, I don't need him. I can work out the truth about God myself. And frankly, I don't need anyone to help. And we find Jesus said that people like that he's come to make blind. In fact, Jesus' arrival on the scene seems to push these religious leaders even further away from him. Here, here are the three groups that refuse to acknowledge the evidence there's the skeptical neighbors do you remember them back in verse 8 let me read you verse 8 again the skeptical neighbors his neighbors and those who'd formerly seen him begging asked isn't this the same man who used to sit begging Some claimed he was others said nope nope he only looks like him but he himself insisted i am the man you can almost hear the gossip down his street can't you looks like blind bob <laughs> how can it be blind bob when he can see now nah, hey bob is that you and when they establish that is him, that there comes the inevitable question, verse 10. How then were your eyes opened? You can imagine the raised eyebrows as they look at one another. Spit, mud, wash in a pool. Bob always was a bit simple. Blind beggar Bob. Yeah. Now here's, here's a man they've known since he was a baby. Here's a man who's blind from birth. In fact, here was a man who was blind at breakfast time, and he can miraculously see But rather than rejoice, rather than be amazed well they just doubt they, they push him away and that's the case with, with so many people who are blind to the Lord Jesus Christ they won't believe the evidence even when it's, it's standing before them it, it's, it's almost like it's too much trouble uh, it, it can be a, a passing interest, you know, come to, to a carol service at Christmas time, but then they want to get on with living their lives their way. They're, they're blinded by indifference. And if that's you today, if you've ended up in church today by God's goodness, don't be blinded by indifference. Look at uh, the evidence for the Lord Jesus. Come back, look into, into the Gospels, the accounts of his life. I mean, at least the man's parents have got a reason for not wanting it to be true. They're the fearful parents. They're the the second group. You remember them? They were called in by the Pharisees for an interview. And we read this in verse 19. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Oh, we know he's our son? Well, Well done. The parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now? or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. Now, can you imagine that, that if, if you, you wouldn't have known how your son had been healed, can you imagine that he didn't run in the front door going, Mom, Dad, it's, a, it's incredible. Look, I didn't trip over on the way, and I can see. It's a miracle. I met this man called Jesus. He spat, rubbed some mud in my eyes, went down to the pool of Siloam. It's a miracle. Of course they, they knew how he'd been healed. It's not ignorance that stops them. It's fear. It's the worry about what others will think of them. Will will they be thrown out of the synagogue? That that was the social center of their community. What what will other mums at the school gate think of us if we start to take that religious stuff too too seriously? What will the the lads at football think if if we stop getting drunk on a Saturday night? Will they stop wanting to be around us? Will they push us away? Will people at work start taking the mick because we gave out an invite to a carol service? See, fear creeps in and the shutters go down on the evidence for Jesus. It leads to blindness. And if that's you today, can I tell you that whatever you're afraid of, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is better than it. Please don't be afraid of being rejected by people around you. And so reject the God who longs you to know his accepting love. But because the last group, they're, they're, they're the hardened religious. Here's the great surprise. It's the Bible scholars of the day, the one who knew what God's servant were going to do when he turned up. They, they're the most bitter opponents. Isaiah 42, verse 7, right out of their Old Testaments, told them that, that when the servant of the Lord came, he'd come to open eyes that are blind to free captives from prison to release from dungeon those who sit in darkness they've got all that background information but Jesus' miracle well it just causes confusion consternation look what they say down in verse 16 some of the pharisees said this man is not from god he does not keep the sabbath but those asked how can he be a sinner and perform such signs so they're divided See what matters to them? Their interpretation of the law. Them being right. How to keep the Sabbath. So they they refused to believe that the blind man's testimony. We see that in verse 18. They still did not believe. When they send for the parents. Well, their policy ensures that they're not going to believe their testimony. Do you see their policy in verse 22? His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah, would be put out of the synagogue. And so what do they do, these Jewish religious leaders? They come to their own collusion. Verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who'd been born blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. That's ironic, isn't it? The truth is the one thing they're not interested in. They don't care who jesus is they've written him off they think that you call calling the son of god a sinner is, is the way to give glory to him now it's dreadfully sad the hardness of their hearts even to the extent that they hurl insults at him and they claim that they follow the old testament but refuse to see how it points to the lord jesus christ now, many of you will know i didn't become a christian until I, I went to university And uh, literally God grabbed me from going to the bar and took me to hear about Jesus. But I grew up in a home where my dad was a vicar in the Church of England and my mum read Bible stories with me. I can even remember some people from Christian Union at at school uh, coming and saying that I needed a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But religion to me was something I could stick in a box. I quite enjoyed it. I went to church pretty regularly. I wasn't one of those You know, pastors, kids who kicked against it. I enjoyed going. I liked the fact that I fitted in. I knew the words of the service. I could sing the hymns. And then I just went and lived for myself. I didn't want a Jesus who escaped the box of Sunday morning. I wanted a Jesus who allowed me to live for myself and would stick in that box. And that's these religious leaders. They have just enough religion, but they're not willing to worship the Son of God. They want to stick God in the box. And that's a danger for us. The thing is, I I can look around on Sunday morning, I've not got a clue whether your God's in a box or whether he's exploded and you worship him all of your life. I can't tell that. But the Lord Jesus Christ knows. And the danger is if you're sticking God in a box, you will become most hardened to the good news about him. There have been all sorts of things across the media recently about even church leaders who appear to have stuck God in a box. Who've, in the right context, with the right group of people, said the right thing, but then had deep and dark secrets going on in their lives that that actually they haven't let the Lord Jesus Christ into. Don't become hard-hearted like these religious leaders and refuse to have your eyes open to the wonder and the beauty of Jesus and worship him with your whole life. so easy to do. Beware of man-made religion. It's a dangerous thing. In the end, Jesus comes to condemn it. Do you see that? Some of the Pharisees in verse 40, who were with him, heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind to?" Jesus said, if you were blind, you'd not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. It's not that you, you don't have the ability to see, says Jesus Christ. No, it's that you've chosen not to see. Because you want to hang on to your own life, you've poked your own eyes out rather than see the wonder of who I am. And you want your religion kept in a box so you shut me out. Don't do that. Don't think you can see and actually one day discover you're blind because you haven't looked at the reality of Christ in the Bible. It's an extraordinary chapter, isn't it? A blind man doesn't even express any interest in Jesus. Jesus. As his eyes opened and ends up testifying to him despite bitter opposition and worshipping him with all ears. Let's pray we'd be like that man. We'd see that of ourselves. And then religious people, people who seem to have all the Bible and all the knowledge but don't want to let God out of the box, end up blind, rejecting the Son of God when he's on their doorstep. Let's pray we don't become like them But, but we worship Jesus with all we have. What should we be like if our eyes have been opened? Tangibly humble. We know nothing without the work of God. Ultimately confident. We can testify to anyone about the goodness of our Savior because he opens blind eyes and committed to praying. Because in the end, it's his work, not ours, that people would see who Jesus is. Let's pray together. Maybe there's a, a, a moment you've got coming up when you know you're going to have an opportunity to say something of Jesus, to point to Jesus. I'm going to be praying for December the 4th, and I'm going to meet with those rugby guys, fresh in the knowledge of Adrian's death, praying for courage to say something about Jesus. Maybe you could pray for your moment. Thank you, our Father, that those people we've just thought of, that we can't open blind eyes, but you do. Please, our Father, have mercy upon them. Open their eyes that they might say to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, I believe, and fall before him in worship. For his name's sake, amen. Amen.